Our, um, our second reading this morning is from, let me find out. Uh, it looks like it's from the, the Gospel of Mark. <laughs> I, got a, I got here a little late this morning, so. All right. Uh, our second reading is from Mark chapter 1. I will read the first 15 verses. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, and all of the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locust and wild honey. And he preached, saying, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan and when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove Jesus out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness forty days being tempted by Satan and he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father God, I pray that you would give us hearts that are expectant, that are waiting for you, for what it is that you are doing here in our midst. Lord Jesus, we pray that we would be watching and waiting for your return. We thank you for coming that first time for your obedience to your Father in your entire life, for your willingness to die on the cross, to pay the penalty for our sins. And Lord Jesus, now as we prepare our hearts for Christmas, I pray as well that we would receive from you and from the Holy Spirit the comfort that comes from knowing that we are in you, that we have been united to you by faith, and that all of the treasures that you have 
are our treasures as well. We thank you for being our safe place. Lord Jesus, during this time of busyness and this time of sometimes grief, we pray that your abiding spirit in our lives would be one of contentment and one of comfort. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts might be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today is the second Sunday of Advent. This is the season of preparation for the coming of Christmas and the preparations have started in earnest. These weeks between Thanksgiving and Christmas are without a doubt the busiest weeks of the year for us. We've begun to make our list and to check it twice. We're shopping and wrapping and cleaning and cooking. We are writing Christmas cards and Christmas letters. We are traveling to relatives and we are inviting relatives to travel to us. Some of us are baking Christmas cookies. Others are spending extra time at the gym to offset those cookies. There are, without a doubt, uh, busy, busy weeks uh, during this time between Thanksgiving and the coming of Christmas. And I'm glad that all of this busyness is tied to the birth of the Messiah. It is the biggest celebration on the planet. And the biggest celebration on the planet is about Jesus, which is good. But in all of this busyness, some important things will inevitably get squeezed. And so this Advent season, we need to be deliberate and we need to be intentional. We need to make room in our busyness for some of the things that are most important during this season of celebration. It would be really silly to celebrate the feast day of the birth of Jesus, but to not make room for Jesus in our lives. This, the second Sunday of Advent, I want to talk about making room intentionally in our lives for the comfort that God offers us. Isaiah chapter 40, which we read earlier, is a familiar Advent text. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. This was God's instruction to Isaiah, the prophet of Israel, about how he was to talk with the people of Israel. The people of Israel are in exile. Jerusalem is a shattered ruin. Disaster has befallen the nation because of their own sin, but comfort is coming. Hard times will soon be over. And why? Well, because the Lord is coming. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness the highway of our God. This prophecy is about the coming of Jesus who will be a comfort to his people. The voice calling in the wilderness, of course, is John the baptizer who called people to repentance because repentance is the way that we prepare for the Messiah. 
God's assignment to Isaiah in this prophecy that foretells about the coming of Jesus is to comfort the people of God. The words of the prophet in this season of Advent as we wait for the coming of Christ as we wait for the second coming of Christ in power and in glory, the words of the prophets are words of comfort for us during a hard time. The reality is that all of us need comfort and encouragement from time to time because we live in a world that is injured, that is derailed by human sin. The world is not the way it's supposed to be. In the grand scheme of things, Christians know that the troubles in this life are redeemed and they're surpassed by what God is doing. Troubles actually strengthen us and make us more resilient when we trust God. When the Lord does return, justice will be done. Mercy will be applied, and the sins of this life will just be a dim memory. But while we wait for God's final restoration, for God's full salvation, while we wait, we are comforted and we're encouraged, knowing that God is aware of our present circumstances, that God cares about his people, that God honors and rewards righteous behavior, that God is sovereign, and that God is in control, not of us individually only, but also of institutions and of nations. So let me say two simple things about comfort by way of exhortation this morning. As people of God, number one, as people of God, we need to intentionally allow ourselves to be comforted by God. Okay? We need to intentionally allow ourselves to be comforted by God. And number two, as the people of God, we need to intentionally comfort other people. We need to intentionally comfort other people. So let me begin with the first one. As the people of God, we need to intentionally allow ourselves to be comforted. Now that might seem a little strange that we need to allow ourselves to be comforted. Doesn't everybody want to be comforted? Doesn't everybody look to be comfortable? Well, the short answer is no, actually. Some of us have a really hard time letting God or others comfort us or console us. Comforting is what parents do with their children. Comforting is what mothers do for their babies. Comforting is a parental or even a maternal activity. In Isaiah 66, 13, God describes himself in maternal language. He says, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. Of Israel, who will be comforted by this mother, God says in the previous verse, you will nurse and be carried on her arm and dandled on her knee. I love that word, dandled. When's the last time you dandled somebody? Right? Right? 
been a while, right? Well, some of you have babies. You get the date, you know, you know it's, it's just kind of this bouncing thing you do on a knee, okay? This is an advanced word in English. Those of you who don't speak English as a second language, I want you to learn the word dandled, all right? The Bible uses it to dandle on the knee. This is a description of what God is doing with his people. It's a loving, comforting, cozy thing that parents do for children. In Matthew 23, Jesus talks about himself as a mother, gathering chicks under her wing, a mother hen, gathering chicks under her wings. He says, O Jerusalem, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. It's an image that Jesus uses for himself to describe his desire to comfort the people of Jerusalem. What a comforting image. What a, a picture of safety and security. I often thought of that verse when my older children, Calvin and Rosie, were younger. At that time, we lived in, in Pittsburgh, and I took the bus downtown for work every day, and Calvin and Rosie would ride with me on, on the bus. Uh, I would take them to a, a preschool uh, near my office, and the three of us would stand out on the street at the bus stop in all weather, in heat and in cold and in rain and in snow, and in the winter it was dark and it was cold waiting for the bus early in the morning, and Calvin and Rosie would tuck themselves underneath my overcoat holding on to my legs. They were pretty small to stay warm and dry in this little tent. That's what a mother does for her chicks, a mother hen. She puts those wings around them to keep them safe. And this is an image that God uses for the relationship that God desires to have with his people, to have with you. The world can be cold and nasty, and God wants to shelter us and to comfort us under his wings, and we're not always ready to let him do that. Jesus makes that perfectly clear in Matthew 23, 37, where he says, O Jerusalem, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. That's what Jesus says. Jesus who wants to gather these people together who were not willing. How come? Why are we not willing? When God says, comfort, comfort my people, why are we unwilling to receive that comfort? I think the answer might be because we do not want to be dependent on or beholden to or controlled by anyone else even if that someone else loves us and to receive comfort requires of us a certain measure of humility and dependency and sometimes we are too proud and we are too independent I remember a Thanksgiving a number of years ago in Brooklyn. We would go up to Brooklyn 
uh, to Ava's family. I think Mia, Mia was about five years old then. And uh, my, my sister-in-law was hosting uh, uh, the event there at her house. She was cooking the dinner. And Mia has two cousins up there, or she did at that time, had two cousins up there who she really loved to play with. And in the middle of the afternoon, uh, before the dinner was served, a bunch of us just went out for a walk in the neighborhood there in Brooklyn. We were going to go down to the playground. And on this busy New York City sidewalk, I would have preferred to have held my five-year-old's hand, but Mia wasn't having any parts of it. Especially since her six-year-old cousin, who was free to roam, was there with her and certainly didn't want to be impeded by some adult holding his hand. Being willing to be comforted requires a measure of childlike dependency and humility on our part. And that's precisely the kind of relationship that God wants to have with us. During this Advent season, I think we need to make room for God comforting us. While the holidays are a source of joy and of excitement, the holidays also are a time of sadness for many people. The heightened expectations of the season can leave us feeling let down. We remember and we miss people who are no longer at the table with us this year. We overdo it during the holiday season. We eat too much and we drink too much and we spend too much and then we regret it. The holidays are a time when many of us need an extra measure of comfort and security. And so it is important it is appropriate to turn to God for that comfort. So here's a little mental exercise. As we prepare for this holiday season. I want you to think about what it is that you do. Don't say it. But I want you to think about what it is that you do to soothe and to comfort yourself when you're stressed out or when you're sad. I remember Linus from Peanuts, he had a, he had a security blanket, right? The Linus was the, the piano player and he had a security blanket. Adults have different kinds of security blankets. There are things that we pull out and that we turn to when our nerves are shot or when we're feeling blue. I want you to think about what it is that you turn to. Not all of the things that we turn to for sources of comfort are actually healthy or God-honoring. Okay? Some of us turn to the wrong things when we're stressed out. So where do you turn when the world's too much and you just need a break or you need a little pick-me-up? What would it look like if we were during those times to turn to God instead? 
What would it look like if during this holiday season, as it becomes too crazy and too pressured and too busy, what would it look like if we were to turn to God for our quiet and for our comfort? As the people of God, we need to intentionally allow ourselves to be comforted by God. Okay? It is not God's intention that we be an anxious or agitated people. We have Almighty God as our Father, as our protector. Of all the people on this planet, we should be the steadiest and the most confident and the most comfortable because we have a comforter, the Holy Spirit. As the people of God, we also need to comfort other people. What happens, in fact, is, is that the comfort that we receive, that we internalize, we're then enabled to hand on to other people. Check out this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is, I'm going to read verse 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. The Apostle Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our trouble so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. It's a brilliant passage. Oh, well, it's a Holy Ghost-inspired passage. It's the Word of God. God of comfort, that's his name, that's his description. He comforts his people. And then what happens? His people comfort other people. All right? If we're agitated, we're not taking care of anyone else. All right? But if we're comforted, we are able to comfort others. There is something about the Christmas holiday season that makes us sensitive to the suffering and the trouble of other people. I'm guessing that human suffering actually comes out at a steady rate all year round. But when suffering comes at Christmas, when tragedy strikes or setbacks come around the holidays, we feel like something has to be done. We want Christmas to be perfect. We want people to be well-fed and safe and happy during this season, which is a good instinct, but may it be an instinct that we have all year long. And so let's make it our business to be thinking about the comfort of other people during this Advent season. Those of you who know me know that my signature sin is that I am self-focused and self-involved. I'm very aware of my needs. And when I'm thinking about my needs, I'm not thinking about your needs. All right? My ability to meet your needs is dependent upon God meeting my needs. Right? Needy people need God, and then they're able to help other people. I think we need to be intentional about getting our needs met in God so that we can be able to help other people as well. Let's be sensitive to what's going on in the lives of those around us. Let's not be thinking about whether or not um, our agenda has been fulfilled. 
I know that we're busy, but let's be quick to listen to one another. Let's be quick to lend a hand. Even as we rest for our comfort and our sufficiency in Christ, even as we rest in God alone, let's be generous with other people. Let's be willing to bear one another's burdens. Let's be willing to offer what shelter or comfort we can give. Here's the instruction of God to his prophet. Comfort, comfort my people. May, be, may that be the word of God for us today. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you that you are you're like a mother hen. You worry about us and you fuss over us and you do everything in, in, in your plan to keep us safe and to protect us. Lord, I pray that we would live in the center of, of your will and in your way and I pray that in that place we might feel safe and secure. We might feel provided for without any wants. And I pray that out of what it is that we have, we can then give freely and generously to others who are in need as well. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.